Thank you, Travis and Jenny and Brian and Josie. Blessings. Open your Bibles with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. If you were here last week uh, on Pentecost Sunday, we talked about how often the Holy Spirit is referenced in the Gospel of Luke and how Luke has a particular angle and uh, perspective on the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives and in the church and in the world. And uh, I had said that uh, we'll sort of do a two-part. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit's ministry, particularly as Jesus launched His ministry. And then there's a unique phrase that appears here in, in this Scripture that we'll talk about in just a moment from Luke 10. The context of Luke 10 is that Jesus had gathered 70 together to go out and He's giving them a report back time from their uh, ministry opportunity. Uh, Luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 17. Before I read that scripture, I'd like for us to uh, pause for a time of meditation and reflection, a time of spiritual centering where we might just be in God's presence together in silence, giving you some space to form your own prayer of confession or thanksgiving or unrolling some burden or just soaking up God's presence, being in God's presence for a few moments and then I'll lead us in family prayer. Let's bow together. You are our creator and sustainer and redeemer. You are great deity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, full of majesty, full of mystery. We praise you and we bless you. We thank you for this privilege of being in a relationship with you. You are the God who heals the brokenhearted, who binds up all of our wounds. You're also the God who numbers all the stars and gives them all their names. You are great, and yet so tender with the downtrodden and the broken. And we pray today for the broken among us, the sick, the grieving, the troubled, those in broken relationships, those with dreams that have died. We pray Your ministering Spirit to be among us, and then Your Holy Spirit to be energizing our congregation, that we might be the presence of Christ, loving and growing and serving in this community. Today we remember especially the victims of the tornadoes in Oklahoma, those who lost loved ones, those who have lost homes and lost so much. We pray for all of the emergency workers and all of those who are ministering and caring, that they might know your special tenderness and your special care. And on this Memorial Day weekend, we pause to thank you for those who have gone before us, for those who have served valiantly defending our freedoms, And we pray that we will never, ever take for granted all of those blessings and above all the blessing of life itself and that we might live ready in every sense of that word open to your spirit. So hear our prayer. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Now Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Verses 17 through 24. If you're able, would you stand please as I read aloud God's Word. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. 
See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and, one no, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then turning to the disciples, Jesus said to them privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. God's blessings on His Word for our hearts. You may be seated. I know I've shared with some of you that many years ago, when uh, I was uh, pastoring in another community, I was invited to lead a retreat for college students. And the subject of the retreat weekend was such that I delved into Scripture and uh, uh, with a, a great deal of intentionality and probably more systematic thinking than any time in my ministry, had to dig into the ministry of the Holy Spirit and, and what the Holy Spirit is all about in the believer's life and in the church and in the world. And, and, I, and I have to say to you and confess to you that probably that changed my life in ways that I didn't realize at the time. Uh, the growing awareness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life and how I became aware of, of the vast teachings in Scripture about the Holy Spirit's work. And it actually also led to uh, adopting a life text for myself, a golden text, my life verse, or verses in this case, uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I've adopted that as my life text. And that sort of grew out of that experience of studying intently uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, I intentionally highlighted for the screen the one word joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, because there's an interesting connection in Scripture. Wherever you see an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, you often see... Uh, the byproduct of joy coming out of believers' lives. In fact, in this scripture, uh, the, the key part of this passage says Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. As far as I know, that's the only time in the Bible uh, that we read of Jesus rejoicing. It's the only time in the Bible that we read of Jesus rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Sort of an interesting Trinitarian emphasis there where Jesus rejoices in the Holy Spirit and He, and he just... Uh, just is sort of luxuriating in the Father's presence. So you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all working together there in a powerful way. Well, here's how it all unfolded. Jesus, as I said, had sent out 70 on a, on a mission trip. Uh, he sent them out to minister and to serve. We would call it today an advanced team. Jesus sent a, a team of 70 out ahead of him to get some experience in serving and also pave the way for the good news that Jesus would be bringing. Now, when they came back, they were ecstatic. 
They were euphoric. They were all giddy and bubbly because great things had happened. You can relate to this, can't you? You've come back and shared with a group after venturing into some kind of ministry together. Uh, you remember when some of us uh, had those wonderful stories to share uh, last month after Mission JC, uh, going out into the community. We had great stories to tell. We came back telling blessings. Uh, the Friendship Singers went on a mission trip recently to Philadelphia, and, and the share time was rich as, as we discussed and reflected on all those blessings. Youth come back from mission trips. Uh, we have teams who come back from overseas, and they're all excited to share the blessings that they saw. Uh, perhaps your Bible teaching class or small group adopts a family at, at Christmas time and, and you get such a blessing in sharing with them material goods and you come back telling stories. We can identify with this experience because these 70 came back to Jesus for their reporting time and they basically said, this rocks. This is real. We felt the power. This gospel has some real juice to it. And they were just blown away at, at the things that happened. Now, I can, I can in my mind picture Jesus smiling and saying, yes, I saw Satan fall from the sky like lightning. Jesus probably smiled knowing that Satan's power was beginning to be dismantled by Jesus' presence on the earth and His impending death and resurrection. Jesus had a moment of satisfaction probably as He listened to their reports and then he said, nevertheless, just a parenthesis here, anytime Jesus says nevertheless, you should pay attention. Anytime Jesus says yes, but, we should listen up. He said, you know, that's great. I saw Satan fall from the sky. Satan is beginning to be dismantled. Nevertheless, don't rejoice, the theme of joy, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, your source of joy should not be in what you have done for God, great as that is, fun as that is. Your source of joy should be what God has done for you. Don't rejoice that that you had this thrill, this temporary high of ministry success, but rather we rejoice in what God has done for us, that our names are written in heaven. Jesus was striking a theme that we see occasionally in Scripture. Um, it's like a ledger book or a scroll or a roster with our names written in the book of life. There are several references to that. Uh, I grew up with my little congregation, Maple Grove Baptist Church, singing, When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. You know that song? And uh, when I was a young pastor holding revivals and hosting revivals, we'd always sing, When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. When the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the saved of earth are gathered over on the other shore, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Great song. A great song about assurance. Not in what we have done, but what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Jesus says that's the source of our joy. Uh, and, and it's easy to slip into a, an emotional state to where we depend upon emotional things to sustain us. But Jesus said, you know, those success stories in ministry come and go. 
You'd better be rejoicing in those things that are permanent. Somebody uh, once asked the great reformer Martin Luther, do you feel forgiven? And Martin Luther said in reply, do I feel forgiven? No, I don't feel forgiven, but I know I'm forgiven because the Bible says so. And there's a huge difference because emotions sort of waver. Emotions come and go. But there is that objective, historic confidence of what Jesus Christ has done for us. But the phrase that I really want us to focus on is in verse 21. At that point, after Jesus had sort of corrected the disciples very gently about the source of joy, He then demonstrates it. At that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. As I said before, that phrase has never been... Uh, We don't have it anywhere else in Scripture. At that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Interesting phrasing and an interesting image of Jesus rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, not rejoicing in circumstances, not rejoicing in ministry success, but in the Holy Spirit. I think that uh, Bible commentator Fred Craddock is on to something when he says that he believes that Luke is intentionally drawing a contrast between what we normally rejoice in and what Jesus rejoiced in. That Luke is intentionally drawing a contrast between the 70s source of joy, their accomplishments, and Jesus' source of joy, His relationship to the Father. You see the distinction there? Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. If we're not careful... We become dependent upon ministry successes or we don't have joy. If we're, not, if we're not careful, we depend on life circumstances to be good or we won't be joyful. But you see, if we're depending on circumstances and happenings, then that's not really joy, that's happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. But the source of joy is much deeper than that. It's in the relationship with the Father. And I believe that God is always working to wean us to wean us off of circumstances and success as a source of our joy. God is always about the business of directing our joy source, our joy energy, to that place where it's permanent in that relationship with Him. Let me give you an example. Uh, Neville Callum is the General Secretary of the Baptist World Alliance. That's the family of Baptist networks hundreds of them all over the world. Uh, A gracious man and a great man. And he recently recently reported on some ministry work that he observed in the tiny little country of Papua New Guinea. A very tiny country, a very, very uh, uh, poverty-stricken country in Papua New Guinea. And uh, he told about what happened, what he saw there. He said, circumstances are bleak. He said their road system is terrible so you can't get from place to place to share the good news of Christ or to do commerce or to do what needs to be done about building uh, leadership in congregations. The, the roads are terrible. He says the financial distress is, is paramount in that nation. And then he said on top of everything else, there's all this intertribal feuding and conflict between tribes of uh, what some would describe as a, as a historically primitive uh, small group of people. So you've got intertribal conflict, you've got financial distress, you've got poor roads, but he said you wouldn't know it by worshiping with these people and being with these people. He said they have a spirit of victory. 
They have a spirit of joy. They have a spirit of optimism because they believe God has called them to lead out in transforming ministry by sharing the risen Christ and seeing the risen Christ work in the lives of people despite circumstances. Not because of circumstances, but, be, but in spite of the circumstances, there is that essential joy that is there. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, not depending on the things around Him. See, I, I believe that the reason the Holy Spirit comes to our lives is to reproduce in us the relationship that Jesus has with God. Now, I'm going to say that again because it's important. I believe the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to reproduce in us the same kind of relationship that Jesus has with God. If you still have your Bibles open, look at verse 21. At the same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and look what He said, I thank You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. That's enough to teach us how to rejoice in the Holy Spirit. To say, first of all, thank you, Father, instead of starting to complain or instead of starting with our wish list. Thank you, Father, to practice gratitude, to call Him Father, to know Him as Father, to be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, to acknowledge that He's Lord of heaven and Lord of earth, that He absolutely owns everything in our lives. That kind of openness, that kind of of availability. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And you see, joy comes from our connection to God through Jesus Christ. Joy comes because of our personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Joy doesn't come because of the success in your particular work that you do for a living. Joy doesn't come essentially because of ministry success through this church. Joy doesn't uh, come because of correct doctrines that we believe. Joy doesn't come because of how many times we go to the church building. Joy doesn't come because circumstances finally get perfect in our lives and in our world. Joy comes through our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His Son. Joy comes through those kinds of connections. And it comes through an openness that Jesus had to cease striving, to, to stop trying to control everything and to relinquish some of that control and, and let Him work in our lives. I ran across a website, uh, the Recre Recovery Trade Publications. Uh, it's an organization that works online uh, and through other sources, to help people with addictions. And they listed 12 symptoms of spiritual awakening. Now, we always think of spiritual awakening coming when we start wagging our finger at people who do sins that we don't do. We always think of spiritual awakening coming when we get very sober and, and very stern and we always think of spiritual awakening come when we can fix some things and be in control of some things. But, but this, this list of, of how we know the symptoms of spiritual awakening are very, very different. An increased tendency 
to let things happen rather than make them happen. Frequent attacks of smiling. Feelings of being connected with others and with nature. Frequent overwhelming episodes of appreciation. Remember what Jesus said, I thank you, Father. A tendency to think and act spontaneously rather than from fears based on past experience. An unmistakable ability to enjoy each moment. A loss of ability to worry. A loss of interest in conflict. A loss of interest in in interpreting the actions of others. A loss of interest in judging others. A loss of interest in judging self. Gaining the ability to love without expecting anything. See, spiritual awakening doesn't come when we finally get in control of some things and we can finally manage other people's lives. It doesn't come from wagging our fingers in judgmentalism toward other people. Spiritual awakening comes when something happens in us. When we begin to relinquish the need to be in charge of everything and to be able to just be thankful and to be open and to cultivate that relationship with God that we have through Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it a third time. And you better get this because this might be on the test. The Holy Spirit comes to reproduce in us the same relationship that Jesus has with God. And would it be possible for us this morning to allow the comforting caring work of God to settle over us like a blanket of blessing. To stop trying to earn God's love or to prove something to ourselves or others. To just be still and allow the comforting, caring presence of God to settle over us like a blanket of blessing. To be able to say with Jesus, I rejoice in you, Father, and I give thanks. This is Memorial Day weekend, and we think a lot about people who gave their lives in military service. A great story comes out of World War II from uh, David H.C. Reed. Uh, He survived the brutalities of war, became a very, very effective pastor. Uh, But he was involved in the very early stages of World War II. Uh, In fact, things were not going well for the Allies. Uh, He recounts a fall day when he was just inundated by grief and, and gloom. He said, first of all, letters from home were not getting through very well, hadn't heard from loved ones, and the morale in the camp was terrible. He said, secondly, our only source of nutrition uh, were the potatoes, and they'd all gone rancid, so we had no potatoes left. He said, on top of everything else, somebody picked up a newspaper, and the Germans, the Nazis, had just kept uh, marching over one city after another in the early days of World War II, and they were just blitzing the whole region of Europe. And he said, he said, I just got up from the camp, and I walked over a ways by myself near the barbed wire fence overlooking a river. And here's what he said happened next. He said, suddenly, I was overcome with an indescribable sense of peace and a strange joy, as if angels were singing through the barbed wire and reaching down 
inside of me. In the midst of all of that gloom, in all of that hopelessness, in all of that despair, an inexplicable visitation of peace and strange joy reaching through the barbed wire and down into his soul. I'm convinced that we have almost lost our capacity to wonder. We live in such a technological age that we have nearly lost our capacity to wonder and to be amazed. I think that's why in the closing section of the scripture, Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, Blessed are your eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see, to hear what you hear, but they can't hear it and they can't see it. But Jesus said, you can. Blessed are your eyes who see what you see. Have we lost the capacity to wonder? Have we lost the capacity to be amazed at God's great love? Would you be willing with me this morning to just open your spirits to allow the caring, comforting God God to visit us, to just rest on us, blanket us, and to just rejoice in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together.